Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. It's good, ain't it? I'm so glad you laugh. I feel better. We're pressing on in this series of Fruit of the Spirit. And today, man, we're talking about kindness. And I don't know about you, but this series, it, it just seems to keep getting better. If you have missed any of these episodes, any of these parts, I want you to know that you can go to iTunes. If you have a, um, a smartphone, you can go in there and you can find us on podcast, Oasis Camden Church, and you can hit subscribe and you can go back and you can re-listen to Billy Sheets preach all these wonderful messages to you. You'll be blessed. You'll probably say amen while you're driving down the road. It's going to be magical for you if you missed any of these. But just in case, I want to give us a quick recap from the very beginning to make sure we're still all on the same page. If you're a believer here, here today, when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in your life. And he started to unpack and he's going to do a lot of things. But one of the things he does is he brings these nine traits, these nine characteristics, these nine qualities, and he places them all in your life. If you are a believer here today, you have all nine of these characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest of them, because I can't remember them all. You have all of them. Now, here's what happens. They don't all grow at the same pace. Matter of fact, all some of them are going to grow a lot quicker. Others of them are going to grow a lot slower. Some of them are going to be a struggle for you. Others are going to be very easy for you. But you have all nine of these, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to f- grow and foster these. And the way this happens, the common denominator in all of it is really John chapter 15 that we looked at a sermon series or two ago. It's this thing called abiding. When you are abiding in Christ, when you are meeting with him and dwelling with him and belonging to him and chasing after him, these nine characteristics all of a sudden are going to start to grow and bud. It doesn't happen overnight and it's not instantaneous. Some of us, it takes a whole lot longer on some of these. I can't tell you how happy I am that the Lord worked it out that I didn't have to preach on patience last week. Let me just say that again. What you usually preach on is what you get tested with. And this week I've been preaching, I'm preaching on the subject of kindness. Do you know how much I've been tested with having to be kind with anybody and everybody? Like, Lord Jesus. So here today we're talking about this thing called kindness. I love what Mark Twain said. He said this, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Scott Adams said this thing also. He says, remember, there's no such thing as a small act of kindness. Every act creates a ripple with no logical end. There was a study that I read about just yesterday that was done in 2000. And three, there were 37 different cultures and nationalities around the world that were involved in this study, 16,000 men and women, and they were asked one question. What is the one trait, the one characteristic you want in a mate? It's the one thing that needs to be at the top of your list. Almost every one of them picked and chose this word called kindness. I want my spouse, I want my better half, I want this to be the number one trait in their life. I want them to be kind. Now, here's what's so interesting about all of this, is that might be the one thing that everybody wants, but if you look around in our culture today, in our world, in our society, in our community, it is the one thing that is most prevalent missing, is it not? Man, I've just been thinking about this all week long. Kindness is a rarity in a culture of rudeness and self-seeking and self-promotion and self-centeredness. I I could be wrong about this, and I'm okay with that, but I believe that the lack of kindness in our world today 
is an epidemic. It's the one thing that everybody wants, but it's the one thing that is least prevalent. So, so this week I spent some time looking and reading all the different verses that dealt with this thing called kindness. And the more that I read, the more that I studied, listen, I was kind of shocked and even surprised about what I found. You, you see, the Bible teaches us that God's concept of kindness isn't something that comes very natural to us. Meaning you and I, we don't naturally display God's type of kindness. Don't turn there. Look on the screen. Romans chapter three, verse 12. The Bible says this, all have turned aside. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one, no one does good. The Bible teaches us that there is no one who naturally does kind things. Now don't Oh, misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that there aren't people in the world who do good things and do kind things because there are. I'm just saying that the world doesn't think about kindness the same way that God does. Let me say that again. The world does not see, think, or view of kindness the same way that God does. I want you to help me with this. Do you remember that what Jesus' golden rule was? You remember your parents probably told you this a hundred times. Do unto others as others do unto you. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 31. And as you wish that others would do to you, listen to this, so do to them. But did you know that Jesus wasn't the first one to say something like that. Do you know what Confucius, 500 years before Jesus, Confucius said, do not unto others what you would not wish done to yourself. The Buddhists who were even before Jesus said, putting oneself in the place of others, kill not, nor cause to kill. Rabbi Hilly said this in 20 BC, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is only commentary. Now, now all those individuals were all predating Jesus. And if we aren't careful, we're going to think and believe that what they said is the exact same thing that Jesus said. But if you think that, this is where we all get it wrong. Notice again this, this thing right here. Confucius said, do not unto others. The, the Buddhist said, kill not. Rabbi, Rabbi Hilly said, what is hateful to you. Hey, don't do that. And the difference in what they said and what Jesus said is they said don't, but Jesus said do. You hear me this morning? They said, hey, just don't do these certain things. But Jesus comes and he flips this thing completely around and he comes and says, do. Again, Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. And that is the difference between God's concept of kindness and the world's. Jesus is calling us. Believers, listen to me today. Jesus is calling you and I to a lifestyle that involves doing. It's not not doing, but he's calling all of us here to do something. So if Christ is calling us to do something, i.e. kindness, what we're talking about today, then what exactly is kindness? What is true biblical kindness? Well, Tyndale's Bible Dictionary says this, kindness is a state of being that includes the attributes of loving, affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Kindness is a quality that you can see. Kindness is something that you might do to somebody else. Kindness is something that you might be able to say to somebody else. This is the one fruit of all the other fruits that is most outwardly visible than any of the other fruits. The other thing that I want you to know about this thing called kindness is kindness is not just an emotion. Kindness is not just a feeling, but kindness is a choice. 
Hey, listen, that's probably the most important thing you need to know today. Kindness is not just a feeling or emotion. Kindness is a choice. Man, we have to choose to be kind. So, so if you're taking notes, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, this is where we find our big key verse, the one we've been working through. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to a different book. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be at today. Of all the stories and parables that Jesus taught, this is by far probably one of my most favorites of all the stories and the parables that Jesus taught. It's definitely in the top five. And I think the best way for you and I to be able to look at this story is not necessarily through a definition that we mentioned before, but instead it's through a little simple understanding. And here it is. Kindness is love in action. I want us to look through this, this message today, this passage of scripture with this one ideal. Kindness is love in action. You got your Bibles? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Kindness is love in action. I, I want you to know that this characteristic, this trait is so essential to your faith that Jesus elevated it. He put it at the top of one of the most amazing stories for you and I to read and to know about. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says this, behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. It was very common in this day for lawyers or, or legal experts of the law to come and quiz or test rabbis. And he asked Jesus this question, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to gain life after this one? What do I have to do to fulfill the law? Instead of answering, Jesus comes back with a question. Notice what it says in verse 26. And he said to him, it's written in the law. How do you read it? What do you think? And he answered, and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. This man knows two passages of scripture. He's coming, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. And listen to what Jesus said. And he said to him, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Fantastic, kid. You did amazing. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to gain eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Does anybody know somebody that when they're in trouble, they just keep digging themselves deeper? Like you just keep sticking your foot in your mouth over and over? This is him. This is this guy. Like all he has to do is go and sit down and he wins. All he has to do is go sit down, keep his mouth shut, and then we're done. But listen to what happens next. He doesn't do this. He follows up with another question. But I want you to notice this isn't for clarity. This isn't for any other reason, but this is for his own pride. Notice what 29 says. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In this one verse, you and I, we get a glimpse into this expert's heart. Now, we've already had a glimpse into his mind because we already know what he knows. He knows a lot of scripture, does he not? He was able to come and quote them two passages of scripture. He knows all the right answers. He knows all the right words. He knows he's like a good Baptist. He just has all the head knowledge here. But this right here, all of a sudden, it allows us to get a glimpse into his heart. Will you hear me today? There's a big difference between the head and the heart. There's a huge difference, the things that you know up here and what's really going on here. But here's what I've realized throughout this entire Fruit of the Spirit series. A lot of us, man, we can do a lot of these fruits, these traits, these characteristics. We can do them in our own strength, in our own power. We can come in this thing called kindness. We can be kind to one another. But I want you to know there's a big difference between what's going on up here and what's truly in the heart. 
I've said this before, when you get squeezed a little bit in life, usually what's in here is going to really start to come out. Your true colors are going to come out. That's what you're going to start to see. So we know he knows all the information, but now we're fixing to get a glimpse into his heart. And here's what I want you to know. In the Jewish culture, only a fellow Jew was considered to be a neighbor. Only a Jew. Samaritans were not considered a neighbor. Gentiles were not considered neighbors. So this expert in the law was implying he has fulfilled the law by treating all of his other fellow Jews the same way he'd be treated. He's doing good. He's asking this question, who's my neighbor? Because he only wants to love the people who look like him and talk like him and live like him. He's doing all of this. He stands up in the presence of Jesus because he's trying to justify himself. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but if you ever find yourself in a position like that of you wanting to justify yourself in front of Jesus, listen to me, it never goes good for you. It's always going to end up bad. So Jesus does what Jesus does best. He starts to tell a story, a a parable. Jesus would often use these stories and these parables to grab the, the audience's attention. And then he would come and he was always able to develop or, or to share a difficult truth in a very simple way. Here's the thing you need to know. Jesus can take complicated things and make them simple. You and I, we take simple things and we make them complicated. So Jesus is fixing to come and he is fixing to break down something that seems to be so complicated and he's going to make it so simple. Verse 30, follow along with me. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, here's the thing I didn't know until this week. This is a real place. Like, it's a real place. It's a 17-mile stretch. It's very steep and rocky, and it's known as the Bloody Way. That's what that passage is called. Now, listen to me. If we're driving down the road in a town I don't know, and all of a sudden Siri says, hey, Billy, take a left on the Bloody Way Street, I'm probably not going to take that route. But like, no, Siri, I choose life. I'll go down and take a left on Jones Street, and I'll go around. I'm not going down the Bloody Way Street. Now, here's what happened. When Jesus said, hey, it's this 17-mile stretch, everybody in that audience, every one of them like, oh, I know where that's at. We've been down there. My cousin Bob, he got robbed down there one year. Like, everybody is connecting with him. Now, here's what happens. And Jesus says this, that there's this man in the story. Some thieves grab him. One of your translations, if you have the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says that this man is a Jew. All right? So you have a Jew who's a fellow Jew, like it's one of their own people. Uh, they, they, these robbers, they grab him, they beat him, they take his money, they strip him, and they leave him for dead. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 31. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I, I, I like to call what he did the Walmart dance. You ever done that before? You've been walking down Walmart. You know what it looks like. Some of you are laughing. You've been in Walmart, and you come down that aisle, and you look up and there they are. And you take that buggy and you walk right back on down and you go into another aisle and you dance with them from the moment you see them to the end of them. And you're trying to dodge and duck and dip and do everything you can to not come and counter in contact with them. Everything. Man, that's what he's doing. So he comes and he, he sees them. He backs his Walmart buggy up and the Bible tells us he goes on the other side. So, so this priest sees him And the Bible tells us he crossed over the other side. So imagine if you're sitting in this audience and Jesus is is telling of this story, everybody's thinking one of two things. The first one, everybody's thinking like, I can't believe this guy. Like this is a priest, like of all people, he should be the first one to be able to render aid. 
Like, what's wrong with him? He must be a bad guy. But I, I want to help you here just for a moment. This guy is not unkind. This guy's not cruel. He's not hard-hearted. A matter of fact, if you were to go to his probably hometown, he's probably going to be one of the... One, whoo, it's talking fast. He's going to be one of the most generous people inside his entire city. Man, he's a hero. He's the first one to give out the checks and to help the community. He's the first one to give to the Salvation Army. He's the first one to get in line at the soup kitchen. Like in his hometown, man, he's probably one of the biggest heroes there is. Everybody celebrates him. So I want you to know that this guy's not unkind. The other thing that most people are probably thinking, well, of course he doesn't help. This makes sense. If this priest is coming from Jerusalem, he might be under Levitical law. And if he comes and he sees this guy and he believes this guy's dead, he couldn't touch him because if he does touch him, then he's going to be ceremonial unclean. And then he can't perform his jobs and his duties in the temple. Here's the gist. We have no idea why this priest didn't stop and render aid. But here's what we do know. We know that this priest saw him, and when he saw him, he went to the other side. Now, I want to give us a word of caution here because it's easy for us to sit in our church on a Sunday morning Look at our Sunday best with our Bibles. Listen so intently here. And us think, man, what's wrong with this guy? But if we're honest for just a moment, I think every one of us has missed moments and opportunities to be kind to somebody who needed it. Have we not? We've all had these moments where we could have stopped. We could help. We knew that there was a need Man, I'm just so busy today. I got this to do and this to do. It's easy for us to judge this guy, but you and I, if I'm honest, I think we're a priest more than we are anything. Man, I got so much going on, I can't, I can't stop. Jesus goes on with this story, verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him. So, so all these Jews, they're listening to the story, and Jesus introduces a new character to the story. If a priest doesn't stop, surely the Levite will. Levites, just so you'll know, in, in the social standings and rankings of the world, they're a little bit lower than priests, but, but they're one of the most well-respected groups in the Jewish society. And here's why I'm bothered by this, and if I can just talk to you just for a moment, we would think that it would be a priest that would stop and render aid. We think it would be a Levite that would be moved to action and compassion, but they didn't. Hey, newsflash, in our story of the Good Samaritan here, it's the religious people who ignore the man in the ditch. It's the religious people, the people in church on Sunday morning that ignore the man in the ditch. In Oasis Church, if I can just talk to you for a moment, I could be wrong, but I believe of the nine traits, the nine characteristics we're working through, I believe as Oasis Camden, this is the one that we probably flunk at the most. Man, it's easy for us to take care of our own. Oh, we do that all the time. Man, this church is notorious. If somebody is hurting here, hey, we're fixing to take care of them. But moving outside of these four walls, taking care of other people, oh, hold on, Billy, we we, got to talk about this. We need to pray about it. I don't know, they're a little different than we are. And I think this is the one that we struggle with the most. I don't miss this. I think you can be a good churchgoer and a good church member. And I think you can even call yourself a Christian. But just because you can do that and say that, that does not make you a kind person. Man, you can come here every Sunday, but that doesn't make you a kind person. Now, again, we don't know. 
the reason why this Levi didn't stop. But what we do know is this Levi, again, he, he saw him, he made eye contact with him, and then he made the decision to walk to the other side. And as all these people are listening to this story, this is their aha moment. This is like, oh, Jesus, we see where you're going. We know what's coming. This is the movie, part of the movie. It's like, don't go upstairs. It's the bad guys up there. Like, it's not going to end well. Like, we understand what's happening here. So if a priest didn't stop and a Levi didn't stop, then somebody's going to have to be the hero of the story. And all of these Jews sitting around this, this table listening to the story is thinking, look, I bet it's going to be one of us. It's going to be one of us good old boys because Jews, we take care of our people. We take care of the people who look like us and act like us. We're going to be the hero of the story. But they're not. Matter of fact, Jesus throws the one person into the story, the one people group into the story, the one nationality into the story who every Jew hates and despises. In verse 34, 33, he says, but a Samaritan. But a Samaritan. Here's the thing. Every Jew thought all of the Samaritans were a bunch of mutts, a bunch of half-breeds, a good, good for nothing. These Jews hated and despised Samaritans. The entire Jewish culture, they hated them. This feud goes all the way back to 722 BC. The Assyrians, they came and they conquered Israel. They took a bunch of them captive. They hauled them off and then they brought in some Gentiles and there was a little bit of a remnant of some Jewish people that were living there with these Gentiles and all of a sudden they started to hang out. They started getting a little bit closer together and these Gentiles had these gods and these Jews started worshiping these gods and then they started intermarrying and they started having kids and Jews started to worship all these other gods along with the one true God. And that's because Samaritans are descendants of Jews and Gentiles who married and began to repopulate. And these Jews hated these Samaritans. So when Jesus says, but there was a Samaritan, this Jewish crowd would have begun to boo Jesus in a heartbeat. Oh no, Jesus, don't pick them to be in this story. We need to be the heroes of this story, but not them. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, Oh, now listen to me today. Up until this point in the story, the narratives are the exact same. What we just read was the same thing that the priest did. What we just read was the same thing that the Levite did. All three of our characters, they all saw him, but here's the difference between them and him. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, the Bible tells us he had compassion, and he went to him. Did you see it? He didn't go to the other side like the priest and the Levite did. When this man saw him, he didn't have this thought, well, maybe just maybe somebody else is going to help him. He didn't have this thought that if the priest didn't and the Levite didn't, then why do I need to help this man? He didn't have any of that. No, the Samaritan, when he saw him, he had compassion on him and he went to him. This Samaritan, he saw a man in need. Listen to me today. The kind of kindness that the Bible talks about is a person who finds a need and they feel that need. Are you listening to me, church? The kind of kindness that we need to have in life is when we find somebody in need, we need to come and help that need. When you find somebody who's hurt, we come and we partner with them and we help them work through that hurt. That's the kind of kindness that the Bible is talking about. Jesus goes on and he says he went to him and he bound, bound up his wombs, pouring oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn. They took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus is telling this story and he doesn't just leave it at, oh, he had compassion on him. Man, I wish somebody would help. No, no, Jesus builds this story over and over. He says, no, the people, that Jesus tells the people that the Samaritan, he went and he bandages wounds. 
The Samaritan touches this man. He's not concerned about the law. He's not concerned about what other people are going to think. He's not concerned about what other people are going to say. Hey, listen to me. This is kindness. is love in action. Man, we're seeing this played out. Jesus tells him that this Samaritan set this Jew on his own animal. Jesus tells the people that this Samaritan took this Jew to a hotel and then paid for all of his expenses out of his own, pine, out of his own pocket. Again, kindness is love in action. And as Jesus is telling this story, everybody in the crowd is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Man, I can't believe it. Because a Samaritan went above and beyond to be kind to somebody who's hated him his entire life. Hey, can I tell you something? Being kind to people who are like us, man, that's not being kind. Being helpful to people who look like you, act like you, and talk like you, hey, that's just you helping out your friends. Do, do you hear me? That's just you helping out other people that are like you. Being kind, being helpful to people who can do nothing for you, that hate you, that despise you? That's something that doesn't come from yourself. Because if you hate me, I'm not helping you. But the kind of kindness that God is wanting to grow in us is this love and action for anybody and everybody. Jesus taught so much on this. He said, hey, love your enemies. Pray for them. Help them. This is what we're seeing here. This Samaritan who's been hated his entire life by these people sees this man. He knows he hates him. And he comes and he just showers him with love and kindness. Does all of this. It's easy for us to be kind to people who are like us. But it's something extremely different for us to be kind with people who can never repay us. Who don't like us and who don't care for us. And that's the kind of love. That's the kind of kindness that Jesus is wanting to produce in us. And then Jesus, he wraps up this story with one final blow. He looks at this guy, the the one that wanted to prove he was right, the one who wanted to take the law and use it for his own agenda. And he asks him this question. Look at verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Think it's the priest? You think it's the Levi? Or you think it's the Samaritan? This expert in the law, the one who had all the head knowledge, who knew all the answers, hey, it's to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Listen to me. Don't miss this. He knew the answer was to love God. The part he struggled with, it's the part we struggle with most, is the loving your neighbor part. It's the part about us loving somebody else as we love ourselves. This expert in the law, he had all the head knowledge, but his heart was far from God. You see, your love for God, Hey, you listening to me? Your love for God that that you say you have should always be expressed in kindness towards other people. Let me say that one more time. Your love for God that you say you have. Oh, Billy, I love God. It should always be expressed in kindness towards other people. Again, kindness is not an emotion. It's not a feeling, but kindness is a choice. And kindness is love in action. So we ask him this question, who was it? Priest, Levite, Samaritan. Listen to his response. Verse 37. The one who showed 
mercy. That word mercy, by definition, is the word kindness. The one who showed kindness. But did you notice that this expert in the law, he couldn't even bring himself to use or say the word Samaritan. He couldn't do it. And then Jesus gives us these words. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. He didn't say, hey, listen, I need you to think about this for a while. He didn't say you need to pray about this for a while. He didn't say we need to discuss this just a little bit further. Jesus said you need to go and do likewise. Church, it's so simple that it's almost insulting. We love God by loving people through our actions. We love God by loving people by our actions. God desires, God's desire is that we live out and show his love through our kindness. So I think the million dollar question today is this. Man, how do we begin to foster this posture of kindness? When I go into Monday, Monday's going to be a good Monday, and somebody comes and they always come and they always drive me crazy. How can I show them kindness? I want you to listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm just giving you one thing here today. Listen to what scripture says, but put on. Some of your translations might say, clothe yourself as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Listen to this. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul is telling us that kindness is his choice. It's something that we choose to put on every day. And when we do this, It will always be visible. It will always be evident. It will always be active. Kindness is not an emotion or a feeling, but kindness is a choice. I want to give you one passage of scripture for you to chew on the rest of this week. Listen to what Proverbs 21, 21 says. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life. One of the things that I read this week that I'd never read before, during the early days of the church, Greek was the international language. And then there were two words that would often run together. They look so close. There was this word Christos, which is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S, which means Christ. And then there was the word krestos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S, which means kindness. And the only thing that separates those two words are really just two little letters. It's an I and an E. And here's the crazy thing about this. One commentator I read said this. It said in the first century, the believers, the believers were so kind that many people didn't know whether whether to call them followers of Christ or followers of kindness. Hey, listen, I think these two things go together. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be a follower of kindness. I mean, this is the fruit that God wants to produce in our life. And if we begin to grow in this and kindness starts to come out, I want you to know that it is probably the most effective tool that you and I have here today. And the more that you walk in his spirit, the more that you abide in his word, and the more that we look for these opportunities to show kindness, and this fruit begins to grow and flourish in our life. So here's what I want you to know. I want to give you two quick things. You can't produce this kindness if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our main desire as our church is to see people come to know uh, Jesus Christ in a very real, very active way. 
We want to grow in him. We want to thrive in him. I think we can put on kindness, but man, kindness, true biblical kindness comes when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I need to ask you here today, do you know that you know that you know that he's your Lord and Savior? Hey, listen, don't do what this guy did. He had all the head knowledge. He knew all the right verses, but in his heart was something completely different. I want to ask you today, are you sure that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Hey, I want you to hear me. As your pastor talking, I'm going to be ticked at you. If I get to heaven and you ain't there, you hear me? I'm going to be mad. I can't, don't know if you can get mad in heaven, but I ain't going to be happy. If I get to heaven and my church family's not there. So again, do you know? And if you're struggling, if you don't know, I'd love to share with you today from God's word today how you can know that you're going to heaven. But here's the other thing I want you to know, believers. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Have you ever noticed that you don't see a yellow car until you're looking for a yellow car? And then when you're looking for a yellow car, you see yellow cars everywhere. You ever done that before? Like all of a sudden you see something like, man, I ain't never seen that. And then you see them there everywhere. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody here, I just want you to look for one thing, one person that you can express kindness, love and action for this week. You know how different our community would be if all, however many were here today, if we all said, just one person, not two, not ten, just one person, be kind to them this week in a gesture or in an action. And they're going to say, man, why are you doing this? And that's when you get to share the gospel, say, it's Christ living in me and I want to be kind. So do you know that you know that you know? If you do know, then here's the thing. Find one person to be kind to this week. Just one. And man, you're going to make a difference in their life. Again, what Scott Adams said in that first quote that we read, it's ripple effects that have no lasting end. That never end. If I get you to stand with me here today, I don't know what God's laid on your heart here this morning. Uh, But Father, we do know that you do speak. And I think there are some people here today that, uh, man, that they are looking at their life and, and they're honest. There's not a lot of kindness that's coming forth. And Father, I pray that we would be different and we would live different pray we'd act different. Father, I pray that you would, this fruit that's in our life, Father, I pray that you would begin to grow it and foster it. And Father, this week, we know it's going to be, we know it's going to be different. We know it's going to be uncomfortable because it's so far out of our character to come and be kind to people who are not like us. But Father, if we do, if we start looking for these opportunities and moments to be kind, man, it's going to do something within us. It gives us life. So Father, I pray for every man and every woman here today. Father, I pray that in our Mondays and our Tuesdays, you would go before us and you would put somebody there, an opportunity where you get to test us and we get to be kind. And Father, I pray when that moment arises, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and we'd be like, oh, this is it. And we would move to meet that need. Father, there's somebody here today, they don't know you as our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. I pray that they give you a heart in their life. So, Father, I pray right now in this moment, whatever you are, wherever you are leading, whatever you're stirring, Father, I just pray that we'll say yes to you. We love you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.